0: good on the block. you know the best part of this defense is their defensive line and their hello just tell me who you are no one you'd ever notice i don't run in your circles yeah then what is it you do nothing be. just watching the game having a bud so but you hey just tell me what the fuck you want from me anything you want yo you pick up the phone no jesus no i'm doing it Feeling kind of nervous, too. Hello? What's that? Of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So, motherfuckers, always trying to Take a look around! Dodge this.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to Take a Look Around: an ethnographic lens into the intersection of new metal and cinema. Cast your ears back to a time. A time when New York City had 3 million phones, 22 million people, and 1 billion connections every single day. The year is 2002. Creed are ascending the charts. (laughs) What a time to be alive, eh,
2: Batesy, my filthy go host <laughs> man when i get thinking about 2002 do my eyes get a little bit misty i'm well man how are you going yeah i'm not too shabby I was
1: thinking about 2002 myself it's kind of a nothing year isn't it
2: yeah I'm... i mean i guess you had the main event of 2001 and a transitional time yeah now we did have a certain thing happen
1: a little film we'd like to talk about today came out in that year however I think that we need a little preamble, a little context to this film, because it's a bit outside of our normal repertoire that we cover on this podcast. We need to pay tribute to a man, a man that inspired and wrote a lot of the visual language that we talk about when we talk about the intersection of new metal and Hollywood. Batesy, can you please fill us in?
2: Of course. Joel Schumacher, legendary filmmaker, recently passed. Uh, Schumacher, I think in the last few years, has become a bit of a punchline regarding the kitschy and campiness of his Batman films, both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But a lot of people tend to ignore the lasting kind of impact he's had on uh, Hollywood as a whole. Firstly, the man wrote the scripts for Michael Jackson's The Wiz and Car Wash, which are two massive kind of cornerstones of African-American cinema. Quite progressive for the the time period as well, weren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. And I mean, another thing that should be noted about Car Wash is that it had a hit disco single called Car Wash, which was written... Uh, in part by Joel Schumacher. This song, of course, would later be covered by Missy Elliott for the fantastic uh, film Shark's Tale, which was the deep impact to Finding Nemo's Armageddon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I only know working at the car wash for ads for Boost, the chocolate bar. (laughs) Right, okay. (laughs) Uh, Look, not only did he kind of direct and write some pretty sensational movies. He really did kind of break several stars. He mentored a lot of Hollywood talent. I mean, as far as actors go, Schumacher discovered like Keith Sutherland, uh, Colin Farrell. He gave Matthew McConaughey his first big break. Uh, Michael Fassbender, Julia Roberts, like these are people who would go on to be fucking superstars of the 90s and early 90s. I mean, the man is the epitome of a journeyman director. He just did absolutely every kind of film you can think of, wherever it was like a classic coming-of-age film, like St. Elmo's Fire. He did two very successful John Grisham adaptations, uh, so successful to the point of making John Grisham uh, an object of parody in the public consciousness. He also, you know, directed some classic Nasty fucking genre films like Flatliners, falling down, eight uh, millimeter, Blood Creek with Blood... fastbender. Yeah, the, the and uh, do you have you seen Blood Creek? It is so good, man. It is a really underrated horror film. It only goes for ninety minutes. It's really fast paced and gory and stupid. It's so schlocky and fun.
1: Now, when I say that he wrote a lot of the visual language that would be borrowed by new Metal Films. You're probably wondering what we're talking about, but cast your eyes back to the biggest break of Schumacher's career, which is, I want to say, 1989's The Lost Boys, which would introduce the world to Kiefer Sutherland, be another feather in the cap of Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, and really just be a touchstone for the mtv generation now this film was the perfect encapsulation of the music industry and in hollywood films all brewed together in a melting pot in the way that new metal films would for the early 2000s the lost boys was doing for the the late eighties. Now we cover a lot of vampire films on this podcast, specifically because films like Queen of the Dam, films like Dracula two thousand, films like the Blade franchise, they're all trying to capture the same magic that Schumacher captured with the Lost Boys.
2: Absolutely, and I just feel like his whole body of work has just endured because of not only their visual flair and their influence, but also just, I think, Schumacher's hidden talent was, he was just an incredibly empathic storyteller. A lot of the main conceits of his film are about friendship, and, you know, just how important friends, and how, like, you know, like, even in strange places, like vampire dens and urban war zones, like, friendship just endures. Like, it's... (laughs) It's, it's a lot
1: of it is about, yeah, a lot of his films would be about people coming together uh, yeah. to overcome something else or people wearing a mask. The main conceit of Batman Forever is the idea that Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne will be uncovered by Jim Carrey's The Riddler. Uh, Two-Face wears a mask, Batman wears a mask. The Phantom of the Opera wears a mask. <laughs> Fuck. Vampires wear a mask. <laughs> also, uh, in today's film, Stu Shepherd by Colin Farrell wears a mask, wouldn't you
2: say? Uh, he was an incredible, beautiful goatee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> today's film, everybody, is 2002's Phone
0: booth. New York City. 12 million people. Twenty-two million
2: phones. Out, a billion connections a day.
0: I believe in you, man. Big Q, be reasonable. I'm a gangster! I don't gotta be reasonable! Coming out. Hello? You Big Q! You keep talking about- Stu Big Shepard Q. thought he had the game wired. How's business? Tickets. Four for Britney Spears, right? No, you owe me, Stu. It's gotta be the night of the 18th. And I will deliver you a truckload of celebrities. But today... <phone rings> ...someone's got his number. Yeah. Don't even think about leaving that booth. Wrong number, pal. I'm aiming at you right now. Can you feel it, Stu? Did you call me Stu? Who is this? Someone who enjoys watching you. I have a thirty caliber bolt-action 700 with a hands-hold tactical scope. You mean, like a rifle? At this range, the exit wound ought to be about the size of a small tangerine. You're bluffing. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> oh, my God. You shot him? Look at all of the people, Stu. He's the shooter. I've seen him. It wasn't me. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? How I mean If you have to ask, then you're not ready to know yet. Put down the gun and raise your hands. Where's the gun? You see a gun? I want to see you talk the you And I didn't shoot anybody. I just want to hear your side of it. That's if you it. tell him, I will kill you. I ain't got no side of it. You're in this position because you're not telling the truth. I'm in this position because you've got a gun. Come on, Stu. Don't you get the game yet? Right. Confess your sins, Stuart. Hang, hang up. Stu hasn't been totally honest with you. His wife looks very angry. He said he wasn't married. Leave her out of this. I have your wife here with me. Oh, this God. is exciting. You get to choose between them. Kelly, Pam, bam, bam. Get her out of here, all right? They're in position. Look. I give the orders here. Look, I'm sure we can work this out. It's do or die time. Down. One, down. Hold your fire! Two, down. Two, down. Three, down. Down. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try it.
2: Now Sean, if you will, I would like you to imagine a box of sorts. With four walls. Okay. Wait. Whoa. 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 whoa.
1: (laughs) You gotta slow down here, man. I went to film
2: school. I ain't. I ain't no
1: fucking science, bitch. (laughs) Now
2: these four walls are made of glass, and inside this four-walled box is a phone. Okay. Yeah, that's what this movie's about. It's about a small box. With a phone in Can it. I put my dick in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buddy, they won't even let me fuck the phone booth. Um, <laughs> Colin Farrell plays the smooth-talking sleazoid stew. He's a bit of a scumbag fuckwit just from the onset. And how do we know he's a scumbag
1: sleazoid piece of shit? Because... A goatee. He's, he's got a goatee! He's wearing, a, as it described later, a satin raspberry suit. Oh my God, he looks like pure fucking
2: shit, doesn't he? Yeah. Stu is just kind of the classic man about town, walking down Times Square, just bumping into everybody he knows. He's kind of portrayed as a big wheeler and dealer. A lot of this film is just from the
1: perspective of Stu Shepard, Colin Farrell's character. We got a lot of picture-in-picture work that never feels as dated as it should, does it? It looks really beautiful. And I feel like that's testament to the work of Matthew Libertique, who we've seen before on Gothica <laughs> and film clips for Static X. Oh, wow, X, okay. <laughs> uh, who later on to be cinematographer de jour of a lot of uh, Darren Aronofsky's. Yeah,
2: shows. right, okay, cool. Well, I guess that's why it looks so fucking ugly then. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I think I'm overselling it. This film looks like fucking shit. A lot of uh, lovely brown and pooey kind of green colours mixed with that horrible bleached blue that every film in the fucking early noughties had. Every
1: fucking cinematographer from this era graduated film school the week that Saving Private Ryan and Traffic came out and we're like yeah "Yeah, baby you like the color blue i'm blue dabba dee dabba die i don't know why all cinematographers are british in this circumstance please work with me here people so basically stew is wandering around town wheeling and dealing and it became readily apparent from the first five minutes of this film That this is himbo uncut gems. This is uncut gems for dumb guys. So basically, despite having a cell phone that he spends all of his time on, Stu wanders into a phone book on the corner of 53rd and 8th, uh, which a beautiful narration by the silverback himself, Keith David, advises is the last phone booth in this part of New York. And it's set... To be demolished so right there and then we know that this is this is the end of an era but what Stu do when he gets in that phone book in that phone booth Stu takes off his wedding ring and he makes a phone call and
2: who's he calling al he's calling his little side piece pammy pamela mcfadden played by famous actress and uh unable to comment on relationship with Tom Cruise. I really feel sorry for Katie Holmes
1: in the long, long run, don't you? Like, her life got fucked. Like, as much as I love Tom Cruise, he destroyed this
2: poor woman's life, didn't he? Yeah, you know, the, the, I, this, once again, to briefly sidetrack, you know the whole a part of their divorce was she was not allowed to publicly appear uh, with other people in a relationship? until like i think for maybe 20 years or something what yeah so her and jamie foxx were a couple for like eight or nine years and they were not allowed to talk about it in the press or have any kind of coverage or a public acknowledgement of it that's repulsive the poor woman
1: and i mean i didn't see her in a film until logan lucky
2: yeah well, that's the other thing, too. She she wasn't allowed to work for about five or six years after the divorce. What fucking happened? Who is her fucking... Diverse attorney,
1: is it Lionel Hutz? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man.
2: Look, just to close on that, when Tom Cruise dies, I feel like there is going to be just a fucking terrifying (laughs) closet full of skeletons that's going to burst open. I can't wait for that book. (laughs) (laughs) So as he goes to call his slam piece, uh, Stewie Baby gets a call from a pizza delivery man who is like, hey man, I got this free pizza for you. And uh, once again, proving he's a terrible person, Stu denies this beautiful free pizza pie. Um, Yeah, as if. New York uh, slice, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I would like keep on chomping down whilst making that phone call. I feel like... I've recorded episodes where I've had to edit out the sound of me munching on something in the <laughs> background.
1: Um, so yeah, Stu tells this pizza guy to fuck off. He's making a phone call. He's trying to convince Katie Holmes to sleep with him. And Katie Holmes, I would, I don't know her exact age at this time, but she's clearly supposed to be
2: playing someone who's way too young for She Stu. was pretty young, like wasn't the whole one of the whole big deals of her marrying Tom Cruise is that she was at least 20 or so years younger than her we need to stop talking about Tom Cruise cuz <laughs> that said hey look if a scientologists start listening in that's 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 an extra couple of <laughs> all press is good press is all i'm going to say <laughs> look as soon as he hangs up this phone he gets a phone call and it's some creepy scary man who says don't leave the phone booth, otherwise he's going to call both his hoes and tell on him.
1: Because it turns out that Stu has a wife. That wedding ring was not for show. He's married to Melbourne's own Radha Mitchell. It's it's so funny. I watched this with a friend last night, and we were having a lot of fun with the fact that Rada Mitchell's Kelly is dressed entirely in angelic white, Whereas Katie Holmes' Pam is dressed from head to toe black. It's literally like when Garfield gets the angel and the devil on his shoulders. It's, it's like this film is telegraphed in like the most like ridiculous, just like bombastic ways. Now, Al, I hadn't seen Phone Booth before this, so I was at a disadvantage. But so I didn't, I, I didn't, hadn't looked up. I didn't know who the voice was. Who did you think it was when you originally went into this um, film?
2: I have seen this film several times. Uh, when I was a teenager, it was, oh, maybe not even a teenager, but it, it was a frequent rental from Video Easy. I haven't seen it in about, fuck, I don't know, 16 years or something. About a month ago, I rewatched it with friend of the show, Josh Gibbs, and uh, when you said, hey, let's watch Phone Booth, I immediately was like, fuck yeah, man, that movie goes for 81 minutes. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we got to get an episode out for Michael
1: Schumacher's death. Oh, wait, Joel Schumacher. Michael Schumacher's the race car driver. I I I think there's probably about... Help me out here, listeners. Have I said Michael Schumacher maybe five or six times already in this episode? Well, you know they're brothers, right? No. No, they're not. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it took me to the end of the film to work out who it is. But after quite a considerable amount of like trying to work it out, I decided... That it was Clancy Brown.
2: All right, okay, famous character actor Clancy Brown.
1: Now, uh, friend of the show, Aaron Ward, who watched the film with me, had the Sterling quote. Uh, he would totally do that to SpongeBob. He's Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what convinced me of the fact. This is such a Squidward thing to do.
0: What are those Neanderthals up to? Don't they know I'm busy spoiling myself?
2: He's a Squidward-esque type. Uh, no, the, the, uh, <laughs> the character of The Caller is played by Hollywood's favourite alcoholic son. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Kiefer Sutherland. Tells Stu that uh, he's done a little experiment like this before, and the last two people who didn't go with the terms of experiment, they fucking got his suppressed sniper rifle.
1: Fucking no-scope domed by an orp, baby. Yeah, man. You don't know
2: what any of those words mean, do you? (laughs) This is maybe the worst part of the movie. The the subplot of the two sex workers and the pimp. So obnoxious. Even by 2002 standards, like, pretty outdated. It's really clearly written by a white person, which is so crazy, as we mentioned before. Joel Schumacher, you know, he wrote Car Wash and The Wiz and was quite. Look, Al, like, you don't
1: need to defend the guy. If anything, the past two to three years has taught us, it's that white middle class men who thought they were progressive in the previous decade have literally no <laughs> clue
2: how to act in the decade following. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Leon. Oh, yeah, and his ladies of the evening are like
0: Go away, hang up the fucking
2: phone. This motherfucker, you don't eyeball me. God damn it, man, you done made me hurt my dickhead. Cut man. to
1: the chase, the sniper demands they get out of here and he blows away Leon the pimp. I'm not gonna lie, for a film that is set entirely in one place in a phone booth with a sniper stalking out you'd think that they could have like maybe spent some money on special effects for some gunshots. We don't even get a gunshot noise. We just get some fucking, like, uh, NYU theater students just, like, toppling over with a bunch of fake blood corn Oh, my medication! <laughs> yeah, it's pretty low rent.
2: Obviously <laughs> a shooting that hasn't been done by the New York police. Call for alarm, maybe? Call for alarm for the New York police to come and investigate what is going on. This is where we're introduced to Forrest Whitaker's character, Captain Ed Rainey. Oh my God, steals the fucking show. Only trait in this whole film is talking about how he was recently divorced every scene he's in he somehow manages to talk about his ex-wife oh, or how therapy worked God. for him to get over his ex-wife here's a
1: little smash cut of uh all of his lines
2: i've been through therapy myself you know the department they provided it for me i know
1: it's not good form for a cop to be saying that but you know sometimes hey circumstances stress i had issues i lost my marriage over it okay. so you you got some intimacy issues I got those too. I saw somebody after my divorce. He kept me from picking up a gun, doing something I probably would have regretted. Maybe if I could be more honest with my wife, you know, then. Then, you know, I don't know, maybe something would have turned out different.
0: Oh, please ask him if his wife got tired of sleeping with him. I, uh, fuck. I can't do that. i oh, sure you can, Stu. Ask him if you couldn't get it up, if he couldn't satisfy so, her. So do you whack off now, hey? <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: from here, it's kind of alluded to that the last time Forrest Whitaker handled a hostage situation, something went a little poorly and some people got shot. So, uh, they insist that they wait for the hostage negotiator. But when he turns up, he is... Does everyone remember that viral video from the start of the year with the the bagel boss man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Had an absolute freak out. The hostage negotiator is 5 foot 7 worth of just pure unadulterated testosterone who flies off the handle at the easiest, <laughs> <left Yeah. laughs> simplest fucking opportunity. Bullshit. Get Mr. Shepard out of here. You know, get
0: us some coffee or something yeah, like that. You're going to lose this guy too. You need some kind of redemption. to do it on the couch. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you seeing a string for anyway, huh? Get the fuck out of my face, huh? Fucking touch me. I'm not stepping down So you.
1: basically, the, where the caller is coming from is the caller is trying to make an example of Colin Farrell not for his truly fucking insane New York accent
2: Oh, it's terrible.
0: I wear all this Italian shit because underneath I still feel like the
1: Bronx. He's trying to make an example for him for living a lie. He thinks that Stu lies to the people around him. He's lying to his wife, Rada Mitchell, about what he does for a living and who he does it with. He's lying to Pam, his slam piece, about his marriage and about his ability to make her the star that he says he's going to be. And on top of all of that, he's lying to all the scumbag clients in his life and his stupid dumb intern about how he's going to make their lives better. This film is about Ethics, baby.
2: Everyone has stopped making Colin Farrell do accents and just writes in that he's Irish into every movie now. Oh, because he (laughs) fucking can't do it, can he? It's crazy because he's such an amazing actor, but his one weakness is doing accents. (laughs) Yeah, doing anything that's not Dublin. (laughs) Kind of like, he's really good at football, but he doesn't have a leg. Like It's just like... It's so <laughs> insane to me. <laughs> this is kind of where the simmering pot boil over culminates in Stew confessing to everybody that his whole life is a lie just to make him look kind of more important than he actually is. It's like a bit of distraction to allow the police to trace the phone call to a nearby building. The sniper says that he's going to kill Kelly, but... Stu grabs the handgun and tries to sacrifice himself and the police open fire on Stu, revealed to be a bit of a fake out. He's been shot by rubber bullets.
1: It's almost as if the police have had rubber bullets this whole time and they decide not to use them when out in the field. I wonder why they don't. (laughs) The New York City Police Department has got Stu surrounded in the phone box because they assume he has a gun uh now if you know maybe stew was from puerto rico
2: this film would be 81 minutes it'd be 81 seconds (laughs) (laughs) Uh, stew is in the back of an ambulance kind of regaining consciousness uh whilst standing at the ambulance door the real caller starts talking the caller kind of does a if you're not honest still i'm gonna come back and get you and through the blurry cinematography you can still tell it's Kiefer sutherland Yeah, and then, yes, you get sedated by paramedics, and we cut to a phone booth that rings where somebody else answers.
1: Smash cut to my favorite song of being 16, Six Days by DJ Shadow and (laughs) Mazdaf. This film is, before we get into the production, okay, this film is as thin as a crust. Oh, absolutely. It's it's 81 minutes long. It's set entirely in a phone booth uh the ethics are dubious to say the least and it was shot in 10 days for about 10 hours a day it's it's a very thin film it's it's
2: it's the fucking it's an episode of the twilight zone that grew up in a house with lead paint like it's just
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is uncut gems if you've got nothing in your tum tum Production-wise, this is an interesting film,
2: isn't it, Al? Yeah, it's fucking insane. So this was a script that had been kicking around for nearly 40 years. It was written by Larry Cohen, who some of you may know as uh, one of Hollywood's kind of biggest purveyors of schlock and nasty films. He wrote God, God Told, told me Us To, to. Yeah. The Stuff, Maniac Cop... Oh, I love the Maniac Cop films. They're amazing. It's fucking wild. This was originally pitched to Alfred Hitchcock, who really liked the whole concept of a man being stuck in a phone booth, but it would take until, I think it was 1992's Washington, D.C. sniper attack for Cohen to realise that using a sniper might be way to kind of have this narrative unfold it's
1: almost as if larry cohen called up hitchcock right away to tell him he'd worked it out only to realize that hitchcock had been dead for 25 years (laughs) 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 soundtrack wise uh yeah sorry people no new metal there is fucking no
2: new metal (laughs)
1: There's a reason we wanted to talk about this film though that we'll get into before we wrap up today which is I touched on it earlier that Schumacher uh, is responsible for a lot of the visual language that would make up the new metal film. There became this term that became popular in the past five to ten years of vulgar auteurism that was applied by internet film critics to the likes of... Ridley Scott, Paul Verhoeven, Michael, Michael Bay, Bay, Jerry, Jerry Bruckheimer, Bruckheimer, who are uh, these very idiosyncratic and singular filmmakers that are dedicated to a very bombastic vision that is solely their own. Now, what's left out of these, uh, of these discussions is filmmakers like Joel Schumacher, Uh, Ridley Scott's brother Tony Scott of Crimson Tide, Domino, fame, and Paul W. Anderson of Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil, and Event Horizon. These filmmakers would be running parallel to the vulgar auteurists, but purely making vulgar films that were bombastic in the same way that vulgar auteur films were, but not in a way that really captured this kind of cult landscape and in terms of their influence on nu metal I feel like that's a lot of what nu metal was doing for music as well bands like Limp Biscuit and Korn the Deftones a lot of them didn't necessarily make sense uh, on their own and singular but they made sense as part of this greater landscape of what was going on in the movie industry and the way that directors like joel schumacher were able to capture that in the greater sense of what was going on in the film industry
2: vulgar auteur label i feel term has been used quote unquote unsophisticated popular movies
1: and it also and it leaves out the fact that directors like schumacher and tony scott weren't doing it from this like high-minded ideal they
2: purely had blockbuster or hollywood in mind when they made it i just think that whole argument discounts and discredits the validity of a lot of art you know obviously we make fun of a lot of films on this show but you know at the end of the day like it's not so much about fucking form. You should be excited about the fucking entertaining. (laughs) You know, being fucking entertained. One thousand percent. There's no shame in being entertained by uh, things that the literati or critterati would kind of... And you know what the literati are never
1: going to do, Al? Take a look around. No, they're never going to assign this film a bodies hit the floor score. Oh, (laughs) fuck yeah. (laughs) A bodies hit the floor (laughs) (laughs) score.
0: I'll
2: let you go first, my friend.
1: Okay, I'm going to give this film three and a half bodies hitting the floor. They don't have any gore to them. The budget wouldn't allow it. This film is thin around the gills, which is stopping it from turning into a, a, a four or a five star for me. Oh, sorry, stars. What am I talking about? I'm talking about bodies here. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot stopping this film from hitting the heights of five bodies hitting the ground, but it's definitely three and a half bodies.
2: This film's like a three star man. Like this is, and I say this as a big believer in how good a three star rating is. All of my favorite films are three stars, baby. Like (laughs) this movie's so. dog shit but awesome like it's a larry cohen film it's joel schumacher making a crazy genre film and as time and time again have proven he's good at that like he's that's one of his many hidden talents as a director he's so fantastic at making weird little camp fucking genre films i think phone booth as i said i watched it very very recently i there's been an alarming trend of me watching films and then maybe three weeks later you saying hey we should do this shit house movie and it's just like oh okay <laughs> i gotta fucking rewatch ghost of mars that's cool um with phone booth this movie like i know why i really liked it as a kid like it's just a fun moralistic tale it's stupid and it has no shame in it's stupidity it's cheap it's tacky it's gross it is never boring it's fucking ugly <laughs> and it's just demented like it's yeah I, I have no in many ways I think what I want everyone to take away is New York is the main character of this film <laughs> <laughs> fuck off Khan. <Con. laughs> <laughs> Six degrees of dust.
0: Come on a little Six degrees of dust. Six degrees of dust. Six
2: degrees of dust. Six degrees of dust. Shake my friends tonight! Look, we've talked about the bodies. We've talked about the man Joel Schumark and his fantastic little movie phone booth. i got to run some simulations, do some algebra, and you know, all the math stuff. Now, Sean, I need you to stand back. I'm... Um, Inputting the data, and you know how temperamental the Kyber crystals are, and how a (laughs) continuum (laughs) transfunctioner may become unstable by the slightest movement. Please put your safety gear on and stand behind this lead wall, Sean.
0: Anytime. Check
2: the computer. The mainframe computer. I access the mainframe. This film has the Durst rating of wow. two. <laughs> Using Colin Farrell. <laughs> Colin Farrell was in Dumbo with Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito was in Be Cool. Be Cool featured Fred Durst. We need to watch Be I'm Cool. I'm not man. fucking think... watching Be Cool. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom.
1: Tune in next week as we watch Be Cool.
2: (laughs) You know what would be cool? If uh, you guys followed us on the internet. Where where can people find us?
1: You can find us on Twitter as Take a Look Pod. On Instagram as Take a Look Around Pod. And on Facebook as Take a Look Around the Podcast. We update almost daily with the content you want to see. We're all about that shit. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit.
2: It's clicks, baby. Just getting Getting them clicks.
1: clicks. Our Patreon is ripping hard. Last week, we wrapped up with the fantastic Tom Walker on Mad Mad Wicked Clown Love, Juggalo Entertainment Offerings. We've just begun work on the fantastic season for July which is what's my age again? Arrested development in the artistry of pop punk cinema. This week's film is American Pie. Please tune in. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Very quickly, Sean. What's our email address if you have any questions or if you have any cool clips you'd like to send us please send it to our email address yeah
1: take a look around pod at gmail.com and Alistair Bates's phone number is 041... 04- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh, 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 Sean. Thank you for uh, making me watch phone booth again. We will see you guys next week. A
1: testament to a great man, Veil vale, Joel Schumacher. What track's gonna take us out, Al?
2: Take us out is a clip that famous RB singer Seal recorded on his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>